everybody. It's Wednesday. I'm Matthew Laria, and you're watching the Faith for Life broadcast. Let's pray and release faith over today's broadcast, and then we'll get right into the Word. Father, we do thank you again today for your Word. Lord, we ask you today for revelation of it. We ask you today for grace and help to receive it and to put it into practice and to see it work in our lives. And Lord, we do praise you and thank you for the power of your word working in our hearts and in our lives. And we do thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, all this week on the broadcast, we're doing a series of teachings entitled, God is for me. And say that with me again, friend. God is for me. Come on, say it again. God is for me. And this week on the broadcast, we are believing to get rooted in that reality that God is for us. We're believing that our faith will get strong in that reality that God is for us. Now let's go back over to Psalm 56 and let's look at verse 9 again which is our foundation text for this week on the broadcast. And it says there, When I cry or when I call out unto you, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know God is for me. And so he was convinced that God was for him. And come on, friend, the same thing is happening in my heart, in your heart this week on the broadcast we are getting convinced that God is for us. Now, let's go over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read some scriptures there. One thing that, that I don't believe many have realized is just how hard the enemy works to get us to believe that God is not for us. He's endeavoring all the time to get people to believe, Christians and non-Christians, that God is not for them. And we see him do this in Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And, and you need to make a note of that because the enemy is subtle, he's crafty, and he's very deceptive. And it went on to say, he's more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You won't die, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened, you'll be as gods, and you'll know good and evil. Now, what is the insinuation that the enemy's making here? He's telling her, God doesn't want you to eat of the tree because there's something good that God's trying to keep from you. God doesn't want you to eat of the tree because he knows if you eat of the tree, your eyes are going to be opened and that's good. He knows if you eat of the tree, you're going to be as gods and he doesn't want that for you and that's good. 
and you'll know good and evil, and God doesn't want you to know good and evil. And the insinuation is that God is holding out on you and that God is not for you, and that's why he's holding out on you. And and you can even hear it in the first thing he said when he said, has God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You can hear it in the undertones of that. How come God won't let you eat of every tree of the garden? Come on, what's the insinuation? He's not for you. He's holding out on you. And if you eat of that tree, these three good things are going to happen and God knows it and he doesn't want them to happen for you and to you because he's not for you. And it's interesting that in the enemy's first interaction with man, he tries to get man to believe that God's not for him. And friend, he has not changed. The enemy has no new tricks. He is still doing this today. He's endeavoring to get people all the time to believe that God's not for you. Come on, have you ever had the enemy say things to you like, well, if God's for you, why why did he let this happen? Or why did he let that happen? Or if God's for you, I mean, you've been praying, you've been believing, you've been standing. Why doesn't he do something? Why isn't this changing? And in the undertones of that, what he's trying to get you to believe is that God's not for you. And friend, it's so subtle, just like it was subtle when he came to Eve in the garden. How come you can't eat of all the trees of the garden? That's what he was trying to get her focused on. And he's so subtle, he'll come to you and he'll he'll sit on your shoulder and he'll try to say, if God's for you and he loves you, why did he let this happen? Or why didn't he do this the way you prayed? And friend, you need to be on guard against it because he's trying to get you to believe that your good father, the one that sent his only begotten son to die for you, the one who loves you more than anybody loves you, the enemy's trying to get you to believe that your good father, that your good shepherd is not for you. And when he tries to come and whisper those things in your ear, well, if God's for you, then why did he let this happen? Or why did he let that happen? You need to roar back. And you need to say, well, I don't understand all that. But this I know for certain, God is for me. This one thing I know, he is for me. Now, I may not know why this happened or why that happened, but I know this, he is for me. Now, let's go over to Psalm 35. Uh, 27 again, Psalm 35, 27, and this verse will bring this out even more, that the enemy is working all the time to get you to believe that God is not for you, and he's subtle about it, and he's crafty about it, and he'll say things like, well, how come you can't eat of all the trees, or, you know, if God's for you, why this and why that, and when he does, friend, when he does, you need to be on guard against it, And you need to roar back at him and say, I don't know anything about that, but I know this for certain God is for me. In Psalm 35, 27, it says this, Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, what are we supposed to say continually? 
We're supposed to say continually, let the Lord be magnified and which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. We're supposed to be saying that all the time. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. Come on, that's another way of saying God is for me. And God in his word is telling us to say this all the time. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. God is for me. God is with me. God is on my side. God likes it when things are going well for me. God likes it when I'm doing well. God God tells us in his word, say this all the time. Why would God tell us to say it all the time? Because the enemy is working all the time to convince us otherwise, that God doesn't take pleasure in our prosperity and that God is not for us. And so come on, friend, we need to be saying this all the time. We need to be declaring it and decreeing it and reminding ourselves of it, that God takes pleasure in my prosperity. He likes it when things are going well for me. And why? Because God is for me. And you need to lay hold of the the revelation of that, of the reality that God told you and I, say it all the time. Say it continually. Remind yourself and decree it and declare it. The Lord takes pleasure in my prosperity. He likes it when things are going well for me. And friend, you and I need to be saying that all the time because the enemy is subtly working all the time to convince us otherwise. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, and we're going to look at some scriptures there. Deuteronomy chapter 1, in verse 26. Now, this is talking about the the generation of the children of Israel that wouldn't go in and possess the promised land. The generation that said the walls are too tall, the giants are too big, we can't go in. And it says this about them in Deuteronomy 1, verse 26. You rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. You murmured in your tents, saying, because the Lord hated us, he's brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites. Now, what did they say in their tents? They said, God brought us out here to have us destroyed by the Amorites because he hates us. Friend, to hate means that you are against someone, that you are not for them. And they believed that God was not for them. They believed that God was against them. They believed the reason God brought them out of Egypt was to have them destroyed by the hand of these giants. They didn't believe God was for them. Now, what did that lead to? Well, the scripture said they rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. They they rebelled. And the other thing we know about this people from Hebrews 3, we know that this was an unbelieving people. And because they believed God was not for them, this is why they had no faith, And this is why they rebelled against God, because they believed he wasn't for them. See, if you believe God's not for you, you'll have no faith in him. 
I mean, how can you have faith in someone to take care of you, to prosper you, who you believe is not for you? Come on, if I believe God's not for me, then I don't have any faith in him to take care of me, to prosper me, to help me. How can you trust someone? How can you submit to someone who you believe is against you? See, they wouldn't go in and possess the land. They wouldn't submit to God and obey Him and trust Him to go in and possess the land because they believed He was against them. They believed He wasn't for them. And friend, if you don't believe God's for you, you're not going to obey Him. You're not going to submit to Him. You're not going to trust Him. And this is what the enemy's after. This is why... He wants you to believe that God is not for you because He is after your faith. He wants you to have no faith, just like them. They had no faith in God to help them possess the land. They had no faith in God to help them overcome those giants and inherit the land. And the reason they had no faith in God is because they didn't believe God was for them. And this is what the enemy's after. This is why he's working all the time to get you to believe that God is not for you. Because if you believe God's not for you, you will have no faith in God. And that is what the enemy's after. He is after your faith. Why? Because faith is your victory. Faith is how you overcome him. And he's after your faith. And he wants to get you into a place of unbelief where you are rebelling against the Lord. Why? Because when you're in unbelief and rebelling against the Lord, you can't win. You can't prosper. You can't overcome. And so the enemy can rip your roots. Your, I'm sorry. The enemy can rip your faith up at the roots if he can get you to question even a little bit whether or not God is for you. If he can get you to start questioning even a little bit whether or not God is for you, he can literally rip your faith up at the roots. And friend, if the enemy gets your faith, come on, he's got you. But on the other end, if you get convinced Beyond a shadow of a doubt, you get fully persuaded on the inside and in your inner man that God is for me. Friend, if you get convinced about that, you'll have strong faith in God. And your faith in God will be your victory that will enable you to overcome. When you get convinced that God is for you, your faith will be strong that he'll help you. Come on, he'll take care of you. Even when things are going bad, if you're convinced God is for you, faith will come out and you'll say, well, God's going to turn this around. God's going to cause us to break through. God's going to cause us to overcome this. How can I say that? Because I'm convinced that he is for me. But friend, don't underestimate how often and how persistent the enemy is about working to get you to believe That God is not for you. See, this is a foundational acknowledgement of faith. God is for me. That is a foundational acknowledgement of faith. God is for me. 
Friend, if you don't believe that, if you don't acknowledge that, your faith won't even be able to get off the ground. It is foundational in, in faith, and it's a foundational acknowledgement of faith. God is for me, and anybody that's strong in faith is strong in their belief that God is for them. And you have to be able to declare unequivocally that God is for me. Come on, friends, say it with me again. God is for me. Now, as we're closing today's broadcast, I want to remind you these three things. Number one, the enemy works to get people to believe all the time that God is not for them. Number two, if you believe God is not for you, you won't trust Him and you'll rebel against Him. And that is why the enemy wants you to believe that God is not for you because he's after your faith. He wants to get you in unbelief and he wants you to rebel. And then number three, this is a foundational acknowledgement of faith. God is for me. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you today for helping us to not be duped by the enemy into believing that you are not for us. Lord, we're helping, asking you to help us to, to be strong in our stance and in our faith that you are for us and help us to never believe the devil's lies, the devil's subtlety, the devil's deception that you are not for us, that you are holding out on us. We won't believe his lies. We declare boldly in faith and unequivocally in faith right now that God is for me. And Lord, we do thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, thank you so much for watching today's broadcast. Don't forget to come back tomorrow for Thursday's edition of our Faith for Life broadcast. And we're going to continue this series entitled, God is for me. We'll see you then.